That was so lovely, and it was just so wonderful to hear your voices. I know you guys have been snowed out a couple of Sundays, so it was great to have um, some of our traditional music, musicians back, and particularly our, our students. I wonder, have you ever used a compass, an actual compass, like the way it's supposed to be used? I have, and I'll never forget where and when I learned how to use a compass. Now, understand my family were very avid in scouting. All three of my brothers were Eagle Scouts. I was a Girl Scout Gold Award. Like, we did scouting big time. And I think that's probably the only reason that my mom convinced my brother, one of my brothers, into doing this. But one day, my Girl Scout troop was working on our merit badge uh, to, to get the merit badge for orienteering. We had to learn how to use a compass. So she had him take what I found out later was one of my Barbie dolls out of my room, hid it in the woods that surrounded our house, and then set up like three different points with clues that we had to use our compass to find in order to find a treasure or rescue the Barbie doll. And um, I'm not sure who was the happiest when that was done, because it was, I loved it, it was totally fun. But I'm not sure who was happiest, my team who actually found the Barbie doll or my brother when he was done. And as a teenage boy, could be done with these annoying girls that had him um, out there that afternoon. But it was like going on a treasure hunt, searching and searching until that item of value is finally discovered. Have you ever been on such a treasure hunt before? Jesus has something to say about searching for treasure. This morning, we finish up our sermon series called The Kingdom. We've been exploring the kingdom of God using teachings from several of Jesus' parables. And this morning, we look at two of his shortest parables that teach us what God's kingdom is like. And as we talk about what God's kingdom, uh, what makes God's kingdom distinctive, I invite you once again to reflect on this very important question. Which kingdom are you following? The kingdom of this world, or are you following God's kingdom? I invite you to hear our lesson this morning that comes from Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46. The parable of the treasure. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like a treasure that somebody hid in a field, which someone else found and covered up, full of joy. The finder sold everything and bought that field. The parable of the merchant. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one very precious pearl, he went and sold all that he owned and bought it. This is God's word for all of God's people. Thanks be to God. How many of you can fathom something so valuable that you would sell everything you owned in order to purchase or secure that valuable item. Jesus makes the argument that God's kingdom is that valuable. 
In fact, he teaches us that it should be the most valuable or important thing in our life. So let's take a closer look. These two short parables of Jesus are called similitudes because instead of being an allegory or an analogy like some of the previous parables that we've studied, this simply compares two similar things. He likens the kingdom of God to finding a treasure and finding a precious pearl. Now notice, the comparison is not to the treasures themselves, nor is it actually even to finding the treasure, as much as it is the reaction of the person, uh, what that person does in response to finding that high-value item. And what do they do? In both stories, the main character goes and sells everything for the sake of the one thing. This one thing doesn't translate to something specific. There's no key again this week like we've had in some of our previous parables. Jesus is not equating the kingdom to to one's faith alone, like that's the only thing that it could, could mean or stand for. And there's some scholars that interpret it as the promise that God made in the Old Testament starting to come true, starting to come to fruition in and through Jesus Christ. Like God beginning to reign over this earthly realm where good triumphs over evil and everyone lives in a just and loving world. Other scholars say that this treasure represents the, the kingdom, which represents this or our cost of discipleship. That being a Jesus follower brings such value to our lives, like love of God and peace and assurance within us, that it is like a treasure that we possess, own, or are given. Many scholars believe it's a combination of all of those things that I just said, and so do I. This treasure, this understanding of God's kingdom is both a word about the cost and the benefits of discipleship in our lives as well as the incredible gift of God's promises coming to fulfillment. Either way, it's of supreme value. A gift that once we recognize it, once we see it, we will go to great lengths in order to have it. If we compare the two parables, we'll notice that there's some significant differences. In the parable about the treasure, the the plowman was not looking for anything, but then discovers, stumbles upon this treasure quite by accident. And when he does, he goes and does whatever it takes to secure the field that he found it in, and he does so with joy. He is excited about this treasure he has found. The merchant, in in contrast, knows what he's looking for and is actively seeking this pearl. And when he does, when he finds it, he realizes that he's actually found something that was far better, even bigger than, than what he was expecting to discover. Understand that pearls in the Mediterranean were the most valuable object. It would be more like the way we talk about and think about diamonds in our culture today. 
When you think about it, people back in the day, right, they, they didn't have a bank deposit box or a personal safe. So it was typical to bury something valuable in the ground for safekeeping. And that's not just true in biblical times. That's been true through centuries. Treasure has historically been buried. Now, my husband loves to watch TV shows that are looking for treasure. I poke fun at him because half the shows he watches never really find anything. One of his favorites is the search for treasure on Oak Island. He will excitedly give me updates each week on some archaeological find that they've newly discovered that, that um, maybe they've been discovering and dragged out over the last four episodes. But whatever they found, as interesting it might be, is most definitely not what I call treasure. Not like the couple back in 2013 in Sierra, Nevada, that took their dog out for a walk on their property and they noticed this weird, rusty old tin can. And upon inspecting it, they found eight such cans that were filled with gold coins from the late 1800s. It was called the Saddle, or is, the Saddle Ridge Hoard. They found over 1,400 gold coins that at face value was or is worth uh, $27,000, almost $28,000. But the estimated value is over $10 million because of the historical value. Now, that's an unexpected treasure to find simply out walking your dog. The scripture reminds us that there are actually a couple ways in which we can find the treasures of God's kingdom. It says to us that God's kingdom and God's actions can be hidden, oftentimes are hidden, and sometimes must be discovered like a hidden treasure. God doesn't always work in these very transparent ways. We must discover God's action in our midst. But it can also be like the precious pearl of great value <clears throat> that is sought after until it is found. Some people stumble into the power of the kingdom and then wisely do whatever it takes to make that important thing part of their life. Others know that they're missing something and they search and they search until they find Jesus Christ and make him and his teachings the most important thing in their life. I think about those folks I've seen at the beach with a metal detector that are scouring the beach for discoveries, searching and searching. The kingdom of God can be discovered in both of those ways. Again, though, what Jesus really wants us to notice is that the focus is not on the actual finding, but looking at the response of both the plowman and the merchant in the discovering. You see, the kingdom is not an object that we can possess or acquire, but it is our response to give wholeheartedly all that we have to what God is doing that Jesus wants us to focus on. Hmm. And it might be right about here that Jesus loses some of us. A wholehearted give everything we have for the one thing 
Jesus goes on to make this intense point in several other ways. In Matthew, Jesus' understanding of discipleship is an all-or-nothing mindset. He invites us to go all in, sell everything, and secure the treasure or the pearl. In Matthew 19, he tells the rich young man, sell everything, give to the poor, and then come follow me, and then you will discover the kingdom. In Matthew 16, Jesus teaches, all who want to come after me must say no to themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them, but all who lose their lives because of me will find them. Why would people gain the whole world but lose their lives? What, people, what will people give in exchange for their lives? Friends, what would it look like if the kingdom of God was in fact the most precious thing in our lives? Something we would give anything and everything for. I want to invite you to think for a minute. What would you say is the most important thing in your life right now? What is your top priority? What is your most valuable treasure that you hold in your life? And if you're truly being 100% honest, is your answer your belief in the kingdom of God? Is your answer your love of Jesus? In your gut, do you say, yes, this is the most important thing that I hold dear in my life? Or does your gut reaction feel more like, oh, it's important, but I don't know that it's that important in my life? Because the problem is, we're kind of comfortable with our lives as it is. And we just want a little kingdom added onto our lives, like adding a skewer of shrimp to the steak dinner that we're going to order for Valentine's tonight. You know what I'm talking about. The special edition that you splurge for periodically, but not something that you actually work to include every single day as if it was the most important thing to include at all costs. But friends, our relationship with God should be the most important thing in our lives, and all other pursuits should seem trivial in comparison. God's call on our lives should be prioritized over everything else. And guess what? It's worth it. It's so worth it. Did you catch the economics of these parables? The plowman sells everything, everything he has in order to secure the treasure. But he gets the valuable treasure in return. And the merchant secures the pearl. Great sacrifice leads to great reward. But I think the problem is we don't actually see the kingdom of God and Jesus in our lives as this great, valuable treasure. I think for some of us, we see it as obligation, what we ought to do. 
that if we're going to be a good person, then that's what we need to do or believe. And, and we miss, we overlook the, the, the treasure that's right there God is trying to offer us that makes our life beautiful and meaningful and significant. The commitment, the prioritizing, the recognizing what is truly valuable leads us to having all that we need. And that's a, such a different narrative than wistfully dreaming about the goal or the outcome or the desirable from a distance. Never, ever going all in to get it. And the point is the going all in, to recognize the treasure that is right within grasp. Because when we do that, God sees to us having that beautiful pearl or that hidden treasure. You understand, though, that that hidden treasure, that pearl, that they aren't money and jewels. That treasure in, that in heaven that brings us contentment and peace Challenge, yes. Struggle, yes. But joy and purpose and satisfaction, that that truly is the greatest treasure of all. I so wish, I so wish that we could be on fire for Jesus, that our faith was indeed front and center. I imagine a world where we stopped looking at each other and seeing faults and shortcomings, competition. We stop seeing the enemy and assuming the worst and holding the grudge. A world where we stopped making money and power the gods that rule our lives and our decision making. Where our personal comfort and security stopped being more important than sharing with others where we actually took seriously our moral responsibility to love and care for one another as if they were our own family. As Christians, we have the opportunity to witness what the kingdom looks like and how it can function in this world. How the kingdom is present tense. It is not just some future event that, that we're longing for or we hope happens one day. Y'all, we have the chance to show the world another way, the kingdom way. We have a chance to show others the difference between the kingdom of this world that I just described and God's kingdom. A world where our love of God reflects joy and assurance and peace and hope which manifests itself in generosity towards others and graciousness and humility and justice for all. We can do this. We can reflect the kingdom of God. We can reflect God's kingdom today in this world, in the here and the now. And there's the reminder of of all the ways that we can reflect and model this kingdom based on what we've learned over the past five weeks. I remind you that the seeds have been planted and, and we're to cultivate that good soil so those good seeds of the kingdom can flourish. 
And I remind you that we're called to accept the fact that good and the bad will coexist. So we're not going to be living in some fairy tale, but we will not let the bad overcome us like weeds overgrowing a garden. We know, we know that the good will persevere in God's kingdom. We remember that we're to be open to the new ways that Jesus is moving and not get locked into those old wineskins and old ways, but instead be open to new ways, new wine and new wineskin, new ideas, new possibilities for a new day. And we remember that we're to make sure That we always build on a a sure foundation, a bedrock that can withstand the storms of life that we know are going to come our way. And we do all of this so that we indeed can treasure the gift that Jesus has given us as if it was the most important thing that we hold dear in our life. What if, what if you and I elevated kingdom living to that highest priority in our lives? What if we recognized that love of God, love of neighbor, living that out truly is a treasure? What if we lived our lives as if everything else was secondary? What if we grasped that pearl of great price and we hung onto it for dear life? What if? What if? Amen.